The following message is by Pastor Eugene Ahn of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found online at www.emmanuelcommunity.org. Last Sunday was my first Sunday back after being in Korea for a week. Uh, It was a whirlwind trip, so we missed two Sundays. And when I came back, literally every person said, how was Korea? And, and I just didn't know how to, if I started, like, really, it would go into, like, hours of conversation. And I just told people it was awesome. I loved it. I ate a lot. The Lord uh, just was so merciful. I didn't gain weight in Korea. It's a miracle. Like, that is a miracle. And um, it, I just felt the love and support from the body of ICC. So I want to say thank you for that. And also want to say that from my wife, uh, she's in the, the nursery today uh, serving, but she wanted to say thank you to all the ladies who have pulled her aside, listened to her, encouraged her, um, just supported her. She wanted to say thank you from the bottom of her heart. So um, I felt like when I started out the sermon, I'm like doing an Oscar speech. <laughs> but uh, I, I want to start with this because it means so much to me and uh, as I begin to unpack the story. So today we're going to be talking about trusting the Lord. And uh, hold on here. Okay, great. And this is going to be the verse that's sort of the cornerstone of my entire story. So if you came today to service, uh, I am going to be sharing about our adoption journey. My wife and I, we have four children. I'm going to get into it in the message, but I'll be sharing about how we came to adopt a child from Korea, and uh, we're still in the process of that. But this verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, has been um, a life verse for uh, myself. I got saved by hearing this uh, verse preached to me back in 1997 by our missionary Milo Cho, and, uh, and I entrusted my life to Jesus Christ that night. And when my wife and I got married, this was like the cornerstone verse, and even throughout the adoption journey. So let me just get into it, and, and let's talk about the Word of God here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning that every person in this sanctuary would hear your voice, would see you, God, hear your invitation to them to trust you. Regardless of their fears, of their circumstances, of their resentment, anger, Lord, that they would heed to your call today and respond in trusting you for their lives. Pray, Lord, that, uh, that you would just take over and be the center of this message, of the adoption journey, and, and God, you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, you guys are going to be getting an abbreviated version of a two-year journey. You're going to get it within 30 minutes, Lord willing. <laughs> and uh, so just know that it's going to go quick. Um, we have arrived, my wife and I, Cynthia, have arrived in a place that we could not have imagined. And this is only because of the grace of God. Um, but really, we believe that each and every person in this room, God is inviting you today to trust in him to trust in who he is. And there's something that may be going on in your life, but I believe that this is the message for our church today. I'm also going to be sharing some journal entries. Has anyone here ever shared their journal entry in front of 150 people? (laughs) So I want to let you know, it is going to be a little vulnerable. Um, And if I tear up and be emotional, please don't judge me too hard, okay? 
Um, but th- with that, I'm going to get right into it. What is this? This is from 2004. Back in the day when there weren't smartphones, we took a selfie with our Canon digital elf. And uh, Cynthia and I started dating back in 2004. And I remember when we were uh, dating, there was one night we went to Joyee's in Chinatown Square. And if you've ever been to Chinatown Square, Joyee's on the first floor. And they, we wanted to be alone. And in Chinatown Square, there's hundreds of people. So we went upstairs where nobody goes. And we were walking around talking. And I remember, you know, it was a, it was a nice summer night. And my wife, or at the time, my girlfriend was like, hey, would you ever be open to adoption? This is 2004. I had no kids. I was single. I'm talking to a beautiful woman. So I said, yes, I'd totally be open to adoption. Absolutely. What will it take to get married to you? Okay. So I said, I said, Yes, I would be open to adoption. All jokes aside, at the time, I was serving uh, with some teens in Humble Park, four of them, and four of them had been adopted into one home, and I just saw the power of adoption. And so when she asked me about it, I said, yes, I'd be open to that. I've seen just how powerful adoption can be. And so that was one isolated conversation. And this is our 2005 wedding photo. It's super grainy because there weren't digital photos. We got photo books back in the day. You guys remember that? And so uh, the, the younger people were like, no, I don't. So um, during this, if you notice, I'm not wearing glasses. It's because I was sweating so much. My glasses were fogging up. People thought I was crying at the wedding, but really I, I was just running sweat down my face. And so we got married in 2005, and you know, as newlyweds do, we're excited. It's a new season in our life. And then it was the baby chapter. It started in 2007 with Josiah, and then we had our second baby, Timothy, in 2009. We had our third baby in 2012 for Matthias, and then our fourth baby, Benjamin, in 2014. And so we had baby after baby after. I know the young people are like, dang, man. And then I'm not going to joke, one person saw me with four kids in uh, the store. He looked me dead in the eyes like, hey, man, you got to find something better to do. (laughs) So uh, just random strangers. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Um, But what's so funny is that Cynthia, even baby after baby after baby, there was this attraction to people that had adopted children. Whenever she would see families or meet people that had adopted children or even heard it on the radio, it just stuck with her. It spoke to her. And so uh, when we first came to ICC, there were a few families that had adopted children, and we actually got meals together with them and just wanted to explore their journey and how it all happened. But with four kids, I mean, I felt like, man, I've won the five rings. Like, what else do I really need to do? And people are like, well, you only have four kids. Where's that fifth one? Well, I just want to let you know the first championship was marrying Cynthia. So um, that, that, that was how I got five. And I just thought, this is the perfect family. Like, we just moved to Schaumburg. Life felt good and uh, was just really, really grateful for where we were at. I felt complete. But for Cynthia, it just didn't go away. These things, the the topic of adoption just kept coming back over and over again. And anytime she brought it up, I I would just be like, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm not totally into it. And I remember in 2014, Cynthia shared this memory. And she said, after Ben was born, I remember holding him in the dark. Ben was crying and I was comforting him. But I had a vision of a baby crying in the dark in a small crib, but nobody to hold him. And I cried. And it was these moments when Cynthia would come to me and say, I really feel like 
God's calling us to adopt. I feel like, you know, I feel like adoption's real for us. And, and I, I was just like, I don't know. I, I would talk about it. And you know when you have discussions over and over and over again with your spouse, and you're not making a decision, but they're just discussion over discussion. And truthfully, I was just trying to survive for children and, and just trying to balance life. On Mother's Day, uh, 24, uh, May 14th, 2017, Steve was preaching, Pastor Steve was preaching on Mother's Day, and all she kept hearing was, just go for it with regards to adoption. And whenever these things would happen, I know when you guys see us, we're like super smiley, happy, and then as real married people do, when everyone's away, you have some honest conversations where volumes get loud or people go to silence like myself. And it was really difficult. I was opposed to the idea, and Cynthia was constantly frustrated with my indecisiveness. She just wanted to know, are we pursuing this thing or not? Is this really happening or not? And I was listening, but not responsive to God. I didn't even ask him. I was just talking to me and just doing an account of me and assessing of me and saying, I cannot do it. I'm tired. I was really focused on my professional career. If you know, uh, I work full-time with a secular job. I work part-time here. Uh, I was climbing the corporate ladder and just gaining more influence. And that was my pursuit and what I really, really wanted at that time. And so this is a picture of my son, Benjamin, after the pool. And uh, this is, I couldn't find a picture where I was laying down like that. But that's really how I felt. I was tired. I was exhausted. I mean, doing all of these things, and um, it was just really, really tiring. And so I'm going to share from my journal what I wrote. And uh, I, in the journal entry, I refer to Cynthia as Mei Li. That's her Chinese name, and that's normally how I, I speak to her. So this is uh, what it said in the journal. Adoption is so far beyond me. It's so far beyond my understanding. I wanted those things before. I remember talking on the second floor of Chinatown Square and talking about adoption and my openness to it way before having children. Why am I scared and fearful of adoption? I don't think Mei Li, Cynthia, and I are emotionally, spiritually, and maritally healthy enough to endure adoption. Adoption will really tear us in places that are already weak. Father, is this your calling? Or is this Mei Li's voice? The conviction, the drive, the desire is not there for me. It's like a kite trying to catch wind, but there is no wind to allow it to rise. It falls to the floor. I need the wind of conviction that comes from you. And that was just my honest heart's cry. I, I, I didn't want to do it just because my wife said so. Just because she kept asking over and over again. It's not like one of those things you just give in to your child. Like, okay, fine, I'll just do it. I knew that it was going to be a life-altering event. And I was extremely hesitant. And so after I had written that journal entry, I was headed off to a conference in Atlanta. And what's, if you've ever been to a conference and you don't know anybody, it's sort of nice. It's like a personal retreat. You go to your hotel room, you go to your conference seminars, and you go to your hotel room. And during that time, I just treated it as a personal retreat. 
And during that time, I committed to bring books, listen to sermons, pray, reflect, and journal. And it was during this time that there was a Tim Keller sermon I was listening to, and it was about the parable of the talents. And in that, in that sermon, he asked this question. He said, are you even trying to please the Father at the end of your life? That hit me so hard because if I was really honest, I did not care. I had professional pursuits I was after. I wasn't seeking the heart of God or pleasing God, but I was pursuing title, position, salary, and material success. I was a pastor that wanted those outward worldly achievements. And God made me really look at myself. You ever have those moments where you have to look at yourself hard in the mirror and ask yourself the very difficult questions? And for me, I journaled about it. And I was broken, humbled, and brought to surrender. I remember being in that hotel room, kneeling down and, and just praying and crying and recognizing, God, I, I haven't thought about the end of my life. I've only thought about now and what I want to do now in my dreams and my pursuits and my desires. And so on May 23rd, I wrote this journal entry. I'm trusting in God. I'm rolling my hope, trust, dreams, destiny to his hands. Not my title. Not my position. Not my salary. Not what others say about me. I want my wholehearted pursuit. To be hearing Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want Jesus' affirmation. I want Jesus' approval. I want Jesus to be proud of my life on earth. I want to maximize the gifts and talents, strengths he's blessed me with does not care about the size of my home, the amount of my salary, the title of my name. He deeply cares about me. And I know reading it, and um, you know, when you write a sermon, you don't cry during it, but um, when you read it in public and, and just something hits you, it's easy to read, but it was so hard to write. And... Uh, and I share that because it was a surrender and, and really letting go of what I really wanted at that time. And so I thought that this is God leading us towards adoption. And I really sensed that leading and saying, oh God, I'm going to let go and I'm going to trust you. I don't know how we're going to afford it. I don't even know how we're going to have a fifth child in the house that we live in. But, but Lord, I trust you and I'm going to follow you. 
And so when I came home, and, and I was just so excited, you know, you, you land on the, the, the tarmac, and, and you tell, I told my wife, hey, I'm on my way home, and I'm, I couldn't wait to give her the great news that finally God had done something in my heart, that I felt like God was leading us in adoption. And so when I come home, I'd been gone for four days at that time. My wife's home alone. Ladies, you know what that's like, right? <laughs> And I'm just so excited. I'm like, I think God's calling us to adoption. And I just thought she'd like raise her hands and say, are you crazy? I've been here with four kids and I don't know how, how are we going to adopt the fifth? And I just thought it was the funniest, most ironic moment that this entire time for years she's been saying, you know, adoptions are calling. And now finally, yes, let's do it. She's like, no, what are you talking about? And so that was one of the deep ironies we experienced. And, and it, we had to journey from that moment. And we had to learn and just say, God, we trust you in this moment. And so this is a picture. I don't know if you could see it really well. But this is Matthias being piled on by Josiah, Timothy, and Benjamin is there to support them on the pile. And I'm not joking. This was taken on June 6, 2017 to the day. And this was the journal entry I wrote there. Lead us in adoption. This is crazy. But Father, we are trusting you in the process. If you open the doors, we will obey. And I hope you hear, and you don't see me up here, but you hear that God is calling out to each and every one of us. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. And he's inviting us into that. And that's that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that first verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It is not just a thing or an idea we're trusting in, but it is, the God, it is God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, that he's calling us to himself. We love salvation. We love the idea of forgiveness and the reconciliation of sin and the gift of eternal life. But the moment he begins to ask us, will you do ask you? Hit the brakes, God. That's, that wasn't part of the agreement. I don't want hell, but I want my own plan for my life. And this was the challenge. This is the challenge for us, where you could choose your own adventure in the United States of America, but that being called to him, he's inviting us to trust him, that he's got your back, that he knows what he's doing. In the fall of 2017, we went to our first open house for Bethany Christian Services, and um, we went there just to learn about adoption, and when we were going there, our primary focus was fostering to adopt, because I had heard that financially is probably the least impactful, and I just thought to myself, I think we could afford uh, a fostering to adopt. And so when the social worker began to share about international adoptions, she highlighted Korea. And, um, you know, Korea, for some reason, when she was talking about Korea, Ethiopia, Haiti, like all these different countries, for some reason, Korea stuck out to me. It, it really hit me in a particular way. And I know for many of you, when you look at me, you may be like, well, you're Korean. I mean, doesn't it just make sense? But some of the history you don't know is, and maybe many of the old school ICC people know, that even though the hardware is Korean, the software is 1,000% American. And it's also, <laughs> it's also very, very, it used to have this very urban bent. And so now, like living in the suburbs for over a decade, it's changing. But there's still some of that 
me as well. And so it wasn't this natural uh, desire to go to Korea, adopt from Korea, but this is something special that happened, is that after they had talked about it, there was a brief intermission, and Cynthia turned to me and she said, you know, I'm sort of thinking about Korea. And I turned to her and I said, me too. And married couples, if you know, that that like never happens, okay? We never anything. And so I know that this is like the divine providence of God. Truly, if we ever agree on anything, God has done it. And so from that moment on, we knew that it was Korea. This is where God is calling us to. And so September 2017, we began the process of adopting from Korea. And, and we were just so excited. And this is like one of the most expensive. I'm not trying to highlight that, but I'm just trying to highlight that we had gone in there thinking, I can financially afford this to a country where we're like, are you serious? Like, I, I have no idea how this is going to all work out. But following God's lead and just saying, God, I trust you. I don't know how you're going to do it. I was hoping that, you know, just buy a lottery card and he'll just take care of it. But I didn't do that, okay? I didn't do that. But that was sort of my mindset. Like, I had no idea how it's all going to happen. So from September 2017 to all the way to September 2019, there was a lot of stuff that happened in between. And I listed it here. Home study, fingerprints, psych evaluation, training, FBI background. I mean, it is very intimidating when you're submitting an email to the FBI volitionally. Like this is you emailing them. Um, Doctor visits after doctor visits. Uh, We had a dossier. And what a dossier is is it basically a massive packet of your history, personal history, financial history, psych history, and you hand that to somebody, well, our social worker does, in Korea, and basically they know everything about you, you know, and, and that's where the dossier came to play, and it was just lots and lots of paperwork. Now, one of the tough moments is when you're in that waiting process, there are orphans files that come your way. There are, each of those files have uh, delays. Each child has medical conditions, health conditions, and even environment conditions where prenatal care wasn't done. You know, many of the mothers in this room, once you find out you're pregnant, you're doing anything and everything for that child, but many of these mothers have not. Um, There's also children in foster care, and also, uh, are they in an orphanage? Like, those are different circumstances. And so, we would go through these files, and it would be so challenging. And um, the anguish, challenge, and emotional toil involved when you look at the files of these children and making the decision to not move forward or not, and not sure what to decide in those moments. And and truth be told, our child that we're bringing home will have his own set of challenges and delays, and and we're preparing for that when he comes home to us. And so here it is, our son. His name is Sajun. And Sajun was, uh, his file was mailed to us on November 15th, 2018, And he was born on May 18th, 2018. And just to give you a quick cultural lesson, uh, Koreans, when they name their children, sometimes they have the same syllable for each child. And so for me and my brothers, my name is Yujin. My brother's name is Yusung. My youngest brother's name is Yujung. My cousin's name is Yuji, Yusung, Yumi, Yuwon. Do you get it? There's like a common syllable, and it's to mark a generation. 
And so with my children, my father named them. And so for Josiah, his name is Youngjun. For Timothy, his name is Sungjun. For Matthias, his name is Hyunjun. Benjamin's name is Hejun. And believe it or not, we got his file. His name is Sajun. And I don't know how to explain that outside of divine intervention. I really, really don't. And so when we got his file, Cynthia and I started talking. When we got his picture, we were like so elated. And um, she asked me, like, what do you think his American name should be? And I just looked at him and I said, well, I think his name should be Harry. She said, what are, you, what are you talking about? No offense to anyone named Harry. She's like, uh, we don't name our kids American. We just name them Bible names. Like, what Bible name? I'm like, well, right, 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 okay. So I did name these children, some of them at least. So uh, the Bible name, I'm like, well, if it's a Bible name, Samuel. And she just starts screaming on the phone. She's like, that's what I thought too. Again, see? Agreeing again? This truly is an act of God. And so we just said, wow, this is God's doing. And, and so we named him Samuel, and we began the adoption process for him uh, and, and pursuing him. And what's crazy is that November 25th, I told the staff, um, we, have, we have a son um, that we're going to be pursuing. His name is Samuel. And so in our notes every week, we do it in Evernote. And when I typed in adoption, November 25th, 2018, this is what it said. The adoption agency has found a child for Eugene and Cynthia. He's six months old. They will likely bring him home in about 12 months. Just remember that, okay? I'm going to talk about when we go to Korea. I'm just going to let you know that's a crazy fact. And so Samuel is his name. And this is what Samuel looked like in July. And um, on April 2nd, we found out that Korea has this adoption quota system and that Samuel may not come home for another year or two. And this was really devastating to us. We, we didn't know why this was happening, but basically Korea had prioritized domestic adoptions over international, so they were going one for one. So if a domestic, fa- a domestic uh, adoption occurred, then they would let an international adoption occur. Um, June 3rd, we were surprised and we found out that our application was submitted to the Ministry of Holt, which is their adoption agency, so that our adoption process started moving forward. So that was totally unexpected. Um, on August 22nd, uh, Holt wanted an update to our home study, which is more paperwork. I mean, that's this, for us, we were like, seriously? We've given so much paperwork, but we just knew this is, hey, we just got to keep moving forward. We're definitely getting close. And then September 30th, we got the incredible news to book our flights for Korea. And so um, we flew out to Korea with the entire family. Our desire was just that we could all meet together in one place. And we got to meet him together. This is our first time meeting Sajun. We flew the entire family on an 18-hour flight to Korea, and uh, it was a wonderful time meeting him. Um, he, he's a runner. He likes to run. He likes to throw. Um, and he did, I did notice that he likes to eat, so there are definitely some commonalities that we are already going to have in the family. Uh, our whole family got to meet him on October 24th, and so my father-in-law and mother-in-law joined us uh, to, in Korea just to watch the kids and help, and uh, it was just such a wonderful time that all of my children got to meet their new brother, Samuel. And so on, on uh, Friday, uh, on that Friday, 
we had to go to court and to pursue the uh, legal proceedings for adoption. And then on Saturday, October 26th, we flew back from Korea. And so November 23rd, we will be flying back to bring him home. So the first time was just to meet him, to do the legal proceeding. But now in a couple weeks during the week of Thanksgiving, uh, Cynthia and I, not the entire family, but just Cynthia and I will be going to bring him back home with us. And so do you know what day we get custody of him? Do you remember that date I told you remember earlier? November 25th. We get custody of Samuel. Isn't God crazy? You just don't know what's going to happen. And I just, man, this is just so amazing. And so our final interview with the U.S. Embassy is on November 26th. That's my birthday. What a gift. And then we'll return home on the 27th. And so I've given you a very abbreviated version of the adoption journey. And there's probably some other questions that you could have about the adoption. Is Probably the first one I always get is, why another boy? Did you want a girl? To be honest, uh, we, op- we started the process very open to boy or girl, but I do want to say that I do have my sixth championship ring, and I've got my basketball team along with it, so uh, I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, how much did it cost? Now, I'm not going to start spewing numbers and spreadsheets and whatnot. I do have that, and uh, I'm willing to talk about it if anyone's very, very interested about how, how much did it cost financially. Um, but what I do want to say is we had to make sacrifices. We, we couldn't just live the, the life that we just wanted to, but we had to make sacrifices. And, and uh, we had to, because we didn't prepare for adopting internationally, we had to use a good portion of our savings. But, but we want to say that it, God took care of it, like, when you start the process, you just don't know how it's going to all work out. But God has done it. And so we're just incredibly grateful for that. The last piece here is, what were some of the greatest challenges in adopting? I would say, if you're a fast-paced person, it's going to be tough. Time and patience. That is some of the biggest challenges. Paperwork, setbacks, appointment after appointment. And when you're doing a psych evaluation, like, after it's done, you're wondering, am I sane? Like, are they going to give me, are they going to give me the okay? And, uh, and then when I told one of my colleagues, um, I'm like, oh, hey, you know, I got my results back from the adoption. He's like, oh, they just let anyone adopt, huh? I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, if you're someone that likes control, uh, that was another huge challenge. It's, it's totally out of control. You're waiting. Um, I do want to say that I did get a lot of comments. Is you've got four boys, and whenever I would tell people that, I was always sheepish to say we're actually adopting one more. <laughs> and so that that that's sometimes challenging the social aspect of it. But but uh, but you know what? From now on, I just tell them, hey, we're adopting a fifth. And the crazy part is that when I've shared that at work, people out of nowhere are like, did you know I'm adopted? I was like, what? And then even this week, we were working with a consultant just sharing. I don't know how it came up. I'm like, yeah, I'm adopting a child. I was like, I'm adopted. Thank you for adopting. I was like, dude, I I did not imagine that. And just so God God just bringing out all of these um, crazy situations. But I would say one of the biggest challenges is definitely moments of doubt, anxiety, and overwhelming fear. These statements you ask yourself, maybe not out loud, but to yourself, have I made a mistake is God really in control? Does he even care? And so that, that's sort of the adoption journey in a nutshell. And I am going to preach 
a little bit, okay? So I know some people are like, well, dude, bro, I got somewhere to be, okay? So don't worry. It's abbreviated, but I want to sort of just unpack Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's a verse that all of us know. We're completely familiar with, and I want to just revisit it very quickly. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And that word trust is something that we sort of kick around and don't think about what does it really mean to trust. And in the Hebrew text, it is called, it is uh, bitak. And what it means is literally your entire body leaning on some, someone or something to support you. Now, if I were to do that on this podium, people would be terrified. But if I were to lean myself against the wall, you'd be like, that's perfectly fine. And this kind of trust is the trust that God is calling us to, not this, well, I'll trust, I'll trust this. No, he, he's calling us to trust in a person, which is himself. And he's saying, I want you to physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically lean on me. I can handle you. You can trust me at my word. You can trust that what I say goes. And that when I give a promise that I deliver, that you can trust me with all of your heart. Now, when we think of trust, we like as humans a roller coaster like this, these kiddie roller coasters. You go, go in a circle, you're like, this is so safe. And I, you know, I'm just, hey, this is fun. But oftentimes in life, and I was just talking to someone this morning, life looks like this. It's terrifying. There's a dip, there's twists, there's turns, there's things you just don't expect. And when you're on a roller coaster like this, you hope that maybe the hands will hold you in place, right? Or are you holding on for dear life like these people? Their trust and their security is on that over-the-shoulder harness, double-checking it. The last time you went on a roller coaster, right, you're like making sure the seatbelt is buckled. I've got my lap belt. I, I am trusting that this is going to secure me. And then you can enjoy the rest of the ride. You don't even think about it. You hoot and you holler. And I remember taking, when I was the youth pastor at Catalyst and taking them to Great America, I said, this is the best part of my job. I just, I just loved it. And it was because you could have a wonderful ride and know that you're going to make it at the end. And it's the same kind of invitation that God has for us, for you. You're not trusting in a thing or an idea, or a physical object, but we are trusting in a person. And this is how he is described in the word of God, that he is the strong tower, that he is your mighty fortress, that he is your shield, that he is powerful, that he is provider, that he is healer. This is the God that we are being invited to trust. Amen? And he is not weak. He is not in the corner hoping that you trust in him. But he is the omnipotent God, the all-powerful one that has created us. And he is inviting you and me into that kind of trust, security, real security in him. And I have to ask you this morning, 
Where is God inviting you to trust in him? Where is that area that you've been sort of shoving in the corner? Say, please, God, don't go there. I'm not ready to trust you. I'll trust you in anything that I can see and I'm safe with. But the moment that it gets out of my control and I'm not sure, where's God calling you this morning to trust in him? I believe when I was preparing this message, I was going through all these different verses and it hit me, this is what he wants. This is what God wants to communicate. He wants you to trust him, invite you into that trust. Your season in life, your family situation, the calling God has on your life, you can trust him. He will take care of you. You can rest secure. Will you always feel like that? No. The reason why is because we go to our own understanding, isn't it? You rationalize. You try to understand, well, I don't know if this is going to work out because of the circumstances or, or how I feel or I'm not sure. And the Bible tells us, lean not on your own understanding. And believe it or not, in the Hebrew, that lean not is almost the same as trust. Where you're putting all of your support, your body weight, your entire being into that. And what the Bible is telling, don't Lean on your own understanding, your own capacities. And this is really what we're trying to get at. Don't lean on your pride like you can do it yourself. That is the American philosophy, right? If I'm going to do it, I could do it myself. I could do whatever I want. And there is an element of truth there, but it's not the whole thing. Lean not on your pride or your anger that will drive you away from what God is calling you to. Your worries and fears. Now, for Cynthia, she is a worrier. And, and I know there's probably some people in this room that will keep you up at night, the worries, the anxieties. If you're more like on, on, in my camp, you sleep great at night. <laughs> and then you wake up like, oh, I should probably be worried. But for my, <laughs> but for, for my wife, up at night, just I remember waking up multiple times, seeing her just concerned and worried, and all I could do was pray. And and these things grip us, hold us back from trusting in God. Circumstances. We just rule out God's plan because, like, look at the circumstances. How in the world could this work out? But if God is calling you, inviting you, it's not to trust in what you see or what you know, but he's calling you to trust in him. And this morning, He's saying that same invitation. And these can be like Goliath, can't they? Even though, theoretically, I believe God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and he can do almost anything, but when I see that fear, that anxiety, I cannot move forward. When I look at the circumstances, how in the world is this going to work out? And you look at Goliath, and you're just like, it's hopeless. Brothers, sisters, loved ones, this morning he is calling you to himself. He's beckoning you to himself. Follow me. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. The Bible is telling us that when we lean on ourselves, when we trust in our own rationale, when we trust in all the circumstances, we've already ruled God out. 
Now, what does that mean for human wisdom? Does that mean it's totally irrelevant? It doesn't matter? No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is start with God. Let him, the one that is in charge of all wisdom, and it says that in the book of James, if any of you lacks wisdom, may he go to the one that is wisdom. Go to him and ask for his leading and his guiding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and recognizing that it is him that is calling you. And like I said earlier in that testimony, I didn't want to do this because Cynthia just kept asking me over and over again. But I wanted to say, God, this is from you. This is to you. This is through you. And this is acknowledging is really to be aware that he is present with you. That thing that you're going through right now, you may feel like, I'm all alone. God does not know. I am here to reassure you. He is there with you. He is holding on to you. He knows what you're going through. And that you need not fear, but hope in who he is and trusting in him. He will make your path straight. And I cannot promise that it's going to be a bump-free ride, but I can promise that doing, going God's way Trusting in him, trusting in his leading, even when it just does not make sense to you, that there is going to be joy in the ride. Just like that roller coaster earlier, you have the harness. You know who's got you in his hands. And that you can scream, shout, and know, God, you're going to take care of this. God, you're going to deliver Lord, you're going to unfold your sovereign plan. And even in moments when he zigs and you thought he was going to zag, that you can still rest. Lord, I thought you were going to go this way, but you're going this way. I'm submitting to that and trusting your lead in this. And I love it that throughout the Bible, he tells us that. Psalm 23, one of my favorite parts of this scripture, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen? He's with us. You do not suffer alone. He's with us. And here at ICC, we want to be a community that walks with you. We love you. We care for you. And so this morning, I really believe God is inviting us to trust him. It's not the 50% or even the 75% trust, but he is asking that 100% commitment where you say, God, I'm all in. I'm all in on your plan. I'm going to let go of what I want. I'm going to let go of my hopes and my dreams. I'm all in on you. There are three kinds of people here this morning. Number one, I really believe that there are people here that have known of God. You've been in the services. You hear the names of God. But you don't know God. And you haven't entrusted your life into his hands. And I want you to know this morning he is inviting you trust him with your life not with just your children's lives or your spouse's life but with your life i believe the second kind of person in this room you are going through the valley of struggle 
and you're wondering, God, can I really trust you in these moments? Brother, sister, I'm here to tell you, yes, you can. He's with you. He is mighty and powerful. You can lean on him. And that third person in this room that is coming, but really emotionally you have given up. You show up. You agree. But in your heart of hearts, I've given up on God. I don't know if he's going to do what he said he's going to do. He's inviting you this morning to himself. Let's go to the Lord and pray this morning. Where is God inviting you to trust him? Where is that area that you have tucked away in your heart and just said, God, please don't go there. Please don't ask me to do something like that. He's inviting you to trust in him. For those of you that have known of God but never trusted your life into his hands, he's inviting you today with his love, open arms, trust me with your life. For those in the valley, he is with you. And even when it seems like he's not there, he is with you. Trust him and know that he is by your side. And those that have already given up on God, please come home. He wants you back in his arms. Let's take a moment to pray just a bit, and then I'm going to share a few final words. The song we're going to sing, the chorus says this, Your plans are still to prosper. You've not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. Faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. And I really believe that this chorus is the chorus that God wants us to cry out, that this is who our God is. Amen.